This is the Matt Townsend Show. Tell me that's not a pretty amazing dynamic. Your guide on the side. Just bring the honesty and the integrity to the game. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. On BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, and I'm here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. So I recently got married almost exactly two months ago. And one of the reasons why it took me a while to actually commit to marriage was this fear of falling out of love. And it sounds really cliche, but I feel like when you look around you, that's really what it looks like is happening to couples everywhere. I mean, I had so much fun going on dates with different people and the thrill and excitement when I was apart for a long time and then finally got to see them or You know, that feeling when you're just thinking about this person and every little thing reminds you of this person and you want to know more and more about who they are. And then I would look at all these married couples who looked like they've lost that luster, I guess. And it just seemed like that thrill was gone. So is that what happens? How do people fall out of love? I found an interview with Kelly Campbell that answers this question. She talks about the biology of attraction and chemistry and what falling out of love really means. I think it's largely biology that's accounting for these different emotions. Is it? Don't you think it's more Cupid? Doesn't have something to do with a chubby little naked, uh, whatever we call him, cherub (laughs) flying around (laughs) shooting arrows at people. I don't think so. See, you're maybe maybe he's responsible for who gets introduced to us, but then after the introduction is made, biology is going on for both people to okay. make them have that. Okay, you need to help us with this because the biology isn't as romantic as just the idea that this person's destined to be ours. So fill us in about this. What? Where does this biology come from? How does it kind of work? Sure. Okay. Well, there's different types of love. So. Usually when I'm explaining love to people from the research standpoint, I'll define it according to three different components. So okay. the first one will be passion. Okay, so that's what you feel early on. Yep. In North America, other places in the world, you know, arranged marriages, you might feel it later. But here we usually feel passion. And oh, that's- interesting, because we're choosing, yeah. we're, we're kind of making the choice out of passion, where in an arranged marriage, you know, it's kind of handed to us. Sure. In an arranged marriage, actually, it's one of the other components that comes first, which is going to be commitment. So you are committed to that person, and then after some time getting to know them, you might form passion. Okay, interesting. Wow. But here in, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, But passion here in North America, that's what we initially feel that that arousal, the biological reaction to that person's present. We feel excited. We have increased energy. We sometimes have lack of sleep. We actually even have a better immune system during that time when that person's in our life. Why, just so we don't Uh, die? What's that about? (laughs) Well, it's probably to look more appealing to the person. Look healthy, look healthy. It's true. It's true, though, huh? It's kind of a healthy trait. Yeah, Yeah. we'll all fall apart later, but right now we've got to close the deal. Look healthy. (laughs) Pinch your cheeks. We have to look healthy because... We also need to signal to that person that we can make good kids. So people who are healthy will make good kids. So that's I, one of the reasons. Oh, see, this is so not romantic, Kelly. <laughs> but it's funny because we kind of romanticize love, but really there's a there's kind of this natural biological goal. Look healthy so you can so you look like mm-hmm. you can create healthy children. You're yes, not going to die people, on them. Right. And the people that you'll be attracted to are usually a good DNA match for you. There was this famous experiment where women smelled the sweat of men who'd um, sweat into T-shirts, and then they rated that. Yeah. Um, you know, so if they loved the scent, then that's a good DNA match. Like, very different DNA makes good kids. If they hated the scent, that could be their sibling or family member where it's not the best match. <laughs> that's so, why my wife yeah. hates to wash my clothes, because we're already <laughs> together. See? That's a pretty bad study. I mean, it's, I'm, I, I believe the data, but how mm-hmm. do you get that group? Yeah, I know. Well, the other thing that they've done, too, uh, related to biology and who we're attracted to is um, they've taken pictures of people. And let's say, for instance, a woman during the time where um, she's fertile or she can have a baby, she actually looks better, the same woman looks better during that period of the month than the rest of the month. So if you put these pictures side by side and have people rate them, she's looking more healthy. She's looking better during that time. Yeah. Nature. Well, I mean, you think about that's how... That's how animals would do it. That's how the flowers, the fauna, everything would, and everything's working to get, you know, procreating. Right. 
Hmm. Right. And then because in our species, too, the women are the ones who really determine when it's time to mate, not the men. So every species is different, but for humans, it's the woman. Tell me about it. (laughs) But then you'll find that women will have different preferences depending on what time of the month it is. So in certain times, they'll prefer the rugged, dominant look, which is when they're fertile. And the rest of the time, they'll prefer more boyish characteristics that signal this person's going to be around for the long term. Huh. and they want their partner to talk to them differently. So that explains why it can be very confusing that you can say, you know, I want to snuggle you, cuddle you, you're so beautiful. Sometimes of the month and a female will respond really well to that. And other times of the month she prefers much more aggressive behaviors and, and you know, phrases said to her. So that really fluctuates over the course of the month. So it can be confusing oh, to a guy Shelley. who doesn't know and even to a woman who doesn't know that. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden yeah. we just think we're married to the same person. But it's really maybe three people or four people. Yeah, and it, the biology is going on underneath it. Although for men, they're just staying pretty constant. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. what's for dinner? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, this. So, so one you're saying is passion. That's the chemistry. Yeah, that's the first one. And then yeah. um, another one you brought up was commitment. Yes, and that one is the decision. So that's more conscious. So passion, we can think of when you say it's not romantic. It can be romantic in the sense that it's emotional. So we're not. Sitting there, when we're in passionate love, we're not rationally saying, here are the pros of this person, here are right. the cons. So it is, it is romantic in that sense. But then commitment is probably, I don't know if you want to say it's uh, the less romantic one, but it's a lot more rational. It's saying that I'm making a decision to stay committed to this person. I'm going to do what it takes to stay committed. So that means all those regular relationship maintenance behaviors on a daily basis um, that, it, that you're putting forth to make sure that that relationship lasts. So it's a conscious effort and decision. Now, does it, um, and uh, you have one more. What's the other love style? The other one is intimacy, and that can be present in both, you know, whether beginning or end. So people who have it present in the beginning, those are going to be the people who we would say are in love. If you're not, if it's not there in the beginning, you're just lusting after that person. You actually don't have a substantial relationship there. And then it can also be present with commitment, so the long-term love. And in that sense, it's a intimacy on its own is just basically a trusting, affectionate bond with that person. Okay, and that's the three. trusting, affectionate bond. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes we can just have passion, bada boom, right. bada bing. But right. sometimes you can, um, and by the way, sometimes I guess you could have commitment, another kind of love where it's a little bit more conscious, where we're kind of choosing. It's it's a little, I call it the earning love. It's it's where it's a little harder, but you're you're committed, so you're working on it. You're trying to improve right. it. Um, right. And sometimes you can have commitment without passion. Right. And sometimes For you can sure. have passion without commitment. Exactly. And then intimacy seems like is that kind of the convergence of this is where I now have an affectionate trust for you, which would I guess mm-hmm. would drive me to be more committed to you. Yes. Is that, that the order, happen. or it does yeah. it not matter? Passion's definitely first in North America. So like I said, it could be different in other parts of the world. But here, normally, that's the first part. So we say, yes, that's first. And then followed by commitment. But intimacy really can occur in either phase. So beginning, middle, end. So you could have, let's say, a long-term marriage um, that you would expect to have intimacy, but maybe they're no longer connecting with one another, but they're still committed to stay in that relationship for whatever reason, the kids or something, you know. So you can have commitment without passion and without intimacy. So they're all independent, but intimacy can just happen in both the beginning or end or all throughout or not at all. It seems like, um, because the, when you say intimacy, you're not even talking physical intimacy. That might actually be more a function of passion. Right. You're yeah, talking the, can, the emotional right. trust yes. and affection. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and what you develop through communication with your partner, through supporting your partner, understanding your partner, being warm to your partner, those are all things that uh, comprise intimacy. See, but this what's so funny about this is people just say, yeah, you know, I just, I've just fallen out of love. Mm-hmm. So when they yeah. say that, are they really just saying, I've moved from passion and I'm no longer in a level of passion? Yeah, that's what I take it to mean. So um, in our culture, when we say I've fallen out of love, it's that we once had this very euphoric state where we were thinking about that person a lot and really wanted to be in their presence and know a lot about them, a yearning to understand them, to know them. And then over time, that um, that can't be sustained, and it's not even... Well, it's sustained in about 5% of uh, people who stay together over 20 years. So really, 5% people, can keep that yeah, chemistry level yeah. up. Right. But it's not ideal, because you're... Your body goes into kind of a heightened state of arousal, and it's not 
that I, you don't want to keep that over the long term obsessive thoughts on this person. Yeah, that it seems to kill you. Yeah, right. Yeah. You want to settle so, into something that is now kind of bonded. Right. We're committed. We can kind of right. take down some of the facades mm-hmm. so we don't have to stay heightened emotionally. Right. But the problem, yeah, but when we fall out of it, it's kind of disappointing, right? And people who get married in that state, they think this is the one, especially if they've yeah. never felt it before, and they get married and then it, it dies off, and then they think, oh, so it really wasn't the one or this relationship's over, not realizing that relationships go through stages. You can do things to keep inserting the passion, but right. if you value that stage so much and you need it over and over, those people aren't going to do so well in long-term relationships. Yeah, I kind of, I, I love that. Um, I, I always talk about it that the source of love kind of in a lasting relationship probably isn't going to normally be passion. That's just kind of the rockets that get you off the space shuttle launch pad and up into the atmosphere. But eventually you got to be willing to stay on the trek. And um, eventually, I guess that gets more into intimacy and commitment. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And throughout that relationship, even if it lasts many, many years, you can do things to insert passion. So engaging in brand new activities together or things that you both find arousing, whether that's, you know, like skydiving or whatever activity you can think of that you want to do. Or anything like a class, a dance class, anything new can create a different chemistry that you can attach to the relationship. Right, right. And it ignites that spark. I love this. Is... um, because, again, we just say love. So I guess for the listeners, love kind of academically, you break down into styles, passion, intimacy, mm-hmm. commitment. Right. And um, is there, I mean, I guess it seems like what most people are seeking for mm-hmm. is an intimacy. Mm-hmm. But it seems like well, that's the heart. That seems like harder to get because we're afraid of risking and we're, you know, we may have learned something as a child, all this attachment stuff is mm-hmm. which, which one, or, I mean, I guess we're just searching for intimacy and commitment. What I think is that the media really influences what we're seeking and they present a very romanticized view of love and relationships and marriage. And people really expect all three and it's very hard to achieve all three and sustain them consistently over right. time. So I think people have overly high expectations for their relationships and when they can keep those expectations realistic and and know that these things will fluctuate over time, then that's where we can have the potential for a satisfying long-term relationship. It's really not good when people have overly high expectations because they're bound to go unmet and then that's where people risk divorce and other things. Well, and especially, I mean, imagine you're eight months pregnant, the concept of passion, Mm -hmm. um, you know. Maybe what we need now is just some intimacy and some <laughs> and some commitment. And I mean, and then all of a sudden when you've got kids, a bunch of kids, I have six kids, believe it or not. And when I have my six kids running around, mm-hmm. passion again, kind of harder to find. But all of a sudden the idea of being committed mm-hmm. and together working to for this team uh, mm-hmm. seems to kind of take precedence. So maybe these are like rotating things, but like you're saying – we got to manage the expectation. Right. And also, so when you have kids, when kids are introduced, they just take a lot of time and energy. And so it's very easy to put the relationship on the back burner because so much effort is being exerted toward child rearing. And it's so important in that time um, to remember that the relationship has to take priority even through all that energy that's yeah. going toward the kids. So time has to get set aside for the couple relationship. It's essential not only for the couple to last and be happy, but even for the kids to see that their parents are happy. That's Mm. really important. Oh, it's huge, isn't it? And the modeling of that. Oh, good stuff. Um, We're talking with Dr. Kelly Campbell, Assistant Professor of Psychology at California State University, San Bernardino. We're going to take a break and come back. And uh, you really, you got to go look up Kelly and her blog. She's on Twitter. She's, you know, she's pretty much everywhere. Um, We're going to take a break, folks. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back. I'm Leanna Tan. This is The Matt Townsend Show. If you just tuned in, you missed a great introductory segment with Kelly Campbell talking about how couples fall out of love and what that really means. That was a fear of mine going into marriage. But Kelly says that what we envision when we think of falling out of love is really just going from passion to maybe commitment. 
They're just two different kinds or stages of love. And it's it's really not healthy or natural to stay in a stage of passion for your entire life. It really is meant to be just for a season of your relationship. That thrill that I was referring to at the beginning of always thinking about someone and constantly wanting to know more about them and feeling giddy. She said that really only about 5% of the population can keep that up for 20 years. But our bodies and our minds aren't meant to stay in a state of passion the entire time because it heightens our state of arousal and it's really not necessarily a natural, normal state. So perhaps what people mean when they refer to falling out of love is a lack of intimacy. And Dr. Campbell gave three different types of love. One was passion, another was commitment, and the third was intimacy, all of which are part of a relationship and have their time and place. But intimacy is the part of a relationship that is the trusting, affectionate bond between two people, and it's vital to stay in love. So the rest of this episode is going to be dedicated to understanding intimacy a bit better and how you can have a healthier, intimate relationship with your spouse. And, you know, the thing about it is, why, why is talking about sex, I mean, it's so natural, right? Mm-hmm. It's on everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about it. It's how they sell everything. Mm-hmm. Why is it such a big deal? I, well, I think what you just said, when you just said that, describe sex as, sex as natural, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a misconception. Yeah, that we, people we think, think it is. Yeah, it's just going to magically happen. Yeah. Just like we magically think that we're going to know how to cook someday or yeah. we magically know how to yeah. do math. No. Well, yeah, no, those are hard. Yeah, they're hard. But like sex, it just seems like because kids are doing it when they're 16. Yeah. So I guess as far as that goes, that's fairly natural. But having a healthy sex life is seriously complicated. And you can have sex and not have intimacy. Yes. And so when I hear you say it's mm-hmm. on all over. We might be hearing or seeing a lot of sex, but we're not seeing a whole lot of intimacy. And people aren't really talking about it. Yeah. They're, they're, they might be doing it. Yeah. But, but I like it because your book isn't called Real Sex. Your book's no. called Real Intimacy. That's so right. So how do you differentiate? What's the difference? Because somehow, I guarantee you, when you just said that, people are out there like, what? Right. There's a difference? Because uh-huh. sometimes we do just use sex as, uh, or intimacy is another word for sex, mm-hmm. kind of the kinder, gentler word. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's the it's the conservative code word. Uh-huh. Like we're going to be conservative intimate. Code word. Yes. Yeah. So like I would say, like Kristen just said, sex is more the act. Yeah. And it can be more just just that, whereas intimacy involves emotion, the emotional aspect the mental, the physical, yeah. everything else with it. Because when you are with your partner, there's a lot more going on than just the act, hopefully. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on the partner, right, doesn't yeah. it? Right. So part of this is let's educate everyone. Because I think, honestly, I think there's a huge contingent of people out there that nothing else is going on. No, that's true. Which is probably why it's so... It's such a polarizing issue in so Uh many relationships. Uh Yeah, absolutely. And you can have, um, like I say, you can have the act and you can be detached the entire time. Mm -hmm. Really, if you can get the emotional intimacy, it enhances the sexual intimacy. But boy, is that vulnerable. Oh, see, that's the key to this this whole thing, huh? Yeah, I guess that's an interesting idea because if the only risk to sex is disease... Then Mm -hmm. it is just the act, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But the risk has got to be deeper, more like fear of being vulnerable. Rejection. Being rejected. Performance. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, there's there's a lot of things. And you have one negative experience and, whoa, I'm out. Maybe that's why we oversimplify it. Maybe Mm -hmm. we oversimplify it so as not to – because the more you're talking, the riskier this is getting. Absolutely. Well, and you're involved (laughs) with another person. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just you. You've got all of their stuff going on and you don't know. Yeah. so it's it's risky. It's and tough. how vulnerable is it to ask for what you want? Oh, like, yeah, you don't ask. You don't do that. Because what if you're rejected? Right. right. Or you're weird. That's weird. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> you we want don't what? do that. But isn't that true? But it's, it's funny because but then we just if you really hear people talking about sex on TV, it's, you know, it's about the whole mantra has been safe sex. It's mm-hmm. been protecting yourself from a physical ailment. Right. That's but interesting, yeah. Isn't that interesting? And yeah. But really, it's more. It's it's so much more personal. If and in fact, that's interesting because maybe then what we do to kind of hide is we just keep talking more about the physical side of it. That's yes. where so that, let's pornography or wear the right clothes or candles. 
Because right. <laughs> candles <laughs> will music. change. Yeah. Yes, it will make it's, it better. Or like women and the lights. And yes. all of the stories you hear, we just kind of hide it with all of these other layers of just superfluous stuff. Yeah. And we overlook the emotional, the spiritual, the real relational side of it. Right. And the question, one of the very first things we ask our readers to do in our book is ask themselves, how do I define intimacy? And a lot of people are like, I guess I've never thought about that. It's just this. The second follow-up question is, do you know how your your partner defines it? And just because he's a man doesn't mean he defines it by sex. Three times a week. Right. Right. And so if you haven't asked, you don't know. Well, and isn't that the truth? But no, that's probably the problem. That's a question like four levels deeper than probably most of us go. Yes. Yeah. Well, and yeah, imagine you're coming home from work and your wife goes, hey, honey, how do you define intimacy? You know, <laughs> you're going to like run out of the room probably. Yeah. He's going to run out of the room. And Isn't so, yeah, taking time to talk about it is can be a challenge. What do you want to bet the 16 year olds aren't talking about it? No. No. No, they're not talking about it. They just I'll do bet it. you the 60 year olds aren't talking about it. Right. right. I bet. I bet the. 30-year-olds aren't talking about it. So that's why you wrote the book. Yeah. Yes. Because they're talking about it in therapy when there's been Every a lot of damage. Every time they come, huh? Yeah. There's a lot of damage, a lot of people who are sad or looking for more information. And so they, they want to fix it. They just don't know how. They don't have the tools. So this book has a lot of tools for I them. Love, that's what I love use. about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really set the book up to guide people through it and to give them tangible, practical ways yeah. to improve intimacy. And you, 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 know, you, you kind of used... You used a better metaphors. You, you, you didn't because it's so taboo-ish. Like, you, like maybe the reason we're not even talking about it is because our parents never could. Right. So they never did. So we didn't know how. I mean, I blow my kids away mm-hmm. just because we're going to talk about it. Right. And like they won't even go alone to a restaurant with me. Because that means we're having a <laughs> talk. Uh, Seriously, they're like, do the not talk. ever go with dad alone to a restaurant. Because <laughs> usually my wife will say, okay, it's time. you got to take them to the restaurant. And then once I'm taking them, once they're alone in the car with me, I have kids that won't even get in the car with me. Yeah. Dad, what are we, where are we going? Well, we're going to go get some stuff, do some things, talk. Like, oh, no. I'm busy, Dad. I'm really busy. It's like my and eight-year-old. I'm be busy for the next ten years. <laughs> I am swamped. I got to go do my homework. But um, so, what? Why don't I guess parents don't know? That's why they're not talking. No, and, yeah, because their parents didn't know, and people are getting married now for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's much more based on call it love or lust mm-hmm. or emotions as opposed to any sort of practical reasons. Yeah. And so there isn't ha- there isn't that talk in the home growing up, you know, how do you deal with these emotions and right. there just isn't. Well, and sometimes talking about it so directly, you're talking about the analogy yeah. and the metaphor. And we have a great metaphor yeah, about how over that, how cause... intimacy is like dining and if you think about your dining experiences, there's a variety of them. You might need to grab some fast food. Mm-hmm. It might be a special occasion. And you're like, I would like the seven course meal. Yeah. You might have your Friday night chilies date yeah. every week. You're like, we both can find something on the menu we like. Yeah. It takes a decent amount of time. And that's like intimacy. Mm-hmm. After you have a baby, there's a whole lot of fast food takeout. Oh, yeah. Being had. <laughs> um, yeah. We ask couples, would you really, like Hollywood sells us on the idea of the seven course meal and that's how it should be. Yeah, it's always Would you really course. want to spend four hours every other night eating dinner? No. No. Not no. at all. There's a time and a place for all these experiences. Yeah. And do you get mad? Do you take it personally if, you're, if your wife goes... I don't know about McDonald's tonight. I'm maybe let's go somewhere else. You what? don't, you or don't, I'm not hungry. Right? Yeah. You don't really say. Oh, sure I you hate are. You Just or you try hate it. me. Right? <laughs> try it. No, you can, yeah. we can talk about food, and if we can translate in the, into talking about intimacy that way. Well, it is because I guess better. there's there's hunger. I mean, so it has kind of the same desires, uh-huh. the same satisfaction in a way. Yeah, right. that's and a great way I to mean, look at it. Sushi's kind of. Out there. I love, yeah, sushi's you like sushi? way out there. Yeah, but it's not as vulnerable to talk about sushi. Yeah. And so it, it also gives you, you know, there's been times when my husband has asked me to go to a restaurant. I'm like, oh, I'm not really hungry, but I'll come join you. Yeah. And then as I start eating, I'm hungrier than I thought. Right. Isn't it, that it interesting? It just takes some of the pressure and the weight off of it. And you, you change the language and, and you, you just make it accessible. Yes. Right. It's, it's, so much of this is just our paradigm. It's our thinking, That's isn't right. It? Mm-hmm. Yes. And our thinking, we, I mean, seriously, we got to grow up. Yeah. I mean, it's not, and it's not even to grow up just so you don't get AIDS. No. I mean, right. It's to grow up so that truly we can have an intimate, close relationship that mm-hmm. doesn't have to bring in all of these other things that don't matter. Right. Yeah. Man. 
Yeah, so it's um, it's wow. intimate. Okay, we're going to come back. Um, I know I've got a lot of questions. Great. Bring them. Uh, bring them on. <laughs> no, by the way, and I want to talk about the diner card. Okay. Is there a diner card that goes with your food <laughs> metaphor? There could be, yes. There, you could, you there could, was you know, a... Buy people one, are giving you buy it, 10, get one free. Exactly. <laughs> and we have a woman that gives us now for wedding gifts and puts a gift certificate to a restaurant in the How Intimacy is Like Dining section. Loving it. Okay. We're talking with Kristen Hodson, Alicia Worthington. They're the authors, uh, two of the three authors of the book, Real Intimacy. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sticking with us, I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. We're listening to an interview with a couple of therapists about the birds and the bees and how to maintain and foster intimacy in your relationship. To recap this last part of the interview, they talked about discussing with your spouse your own definitions of intimacy and what your expectations are. As we continue listening to this interview, Kristen B. Hodson and Alicia B. Worthington are going to talk about how you can have more connection, presence, and emotion in your physical relationships and how you can talk more openly with your spouse about intimacy. This is the conversation parents should be having with their kids. And if you're a grandparent out there, you should be having it with your grandchild. Yeah, absolutely. And if you start when they're really little... Then yeah. you don't have to have all these years where you haven't talked and all of a sudden yeah. that's when it can become awkward. Right. But if it's been a part of your relationship in your life, it's like what we're doing right mm-hmm. here. This is light. It's easy. We're talking. But this is kind of like three therapists just tossing it's it true. around. That's it's true. true. We're, but we're comfortable with it because we yeah. spent so much time talking about it. See, I think if you're afraid to talk about it, then that's telling you something, right? That's telling you that you need to probably adjust your thinking about it. It's yeah. not as taboo-ish. Yes. As we think it is. And if no. you need to, go into the bathroom, lock the door, practicing a few words. Video yourself doing exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Say it a few <laughs> times. Send it to you guys. And then go and have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> Talk intimacy. Um, I guess, too, we shouldn't bring out a PowerPoint either. Because if we're bringing out Maybe a PowerPoint not. to explain it. Right. Like I went to the launch of your book. I mean, you guys brought out the PowerPoint. It's intimidating. That was so intimidating. <laughs> but how like, light and funny was here. it? It was totally funny. Yeah. You're, it, it's a great book. And I really like the food metaphor. Um, I also like... The idea about the appetite, because the appetite and food go together so well, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And or appetite as in libido. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's, there's, if you let your feelings or your desire always steer your ship, I mean, there are going to be moments, again, I'm going to bring up the after a baby oh, part yeah. where, you're, or a husband right now that's working really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and they're just tired. And all of a sudden you can get into a funk because you just don't ever feel like it. Well, if you never felt like eating and you didn't eat, what would happen? Oh, yeah. You'd die. So, yeah. So if that happens, the relationship is I, I got to clarify something on that because when my wife, when, she, when we had our kids, she, her doctor, I swear, said four to six weeks before mm-hmm. we should be intimate. Mm-hmm. Okay. She swore it was 46 weeks. <laughs> And so I just want to ask you guys, uh, is it 426 or 46? Um, again, if you're just breaking down to the sexual component, we're going to go with the, the four to the four two six. Okay, good. Right. Okay, but, can you call her? Yeah. <laughs> but keeping in mind, yeah. everybody's tired. Yeah. Everybody's, the babies. Yeah. The yeah, baby but is, you got to eat. You do have, you to, do eat. have to eat. People will die. And right. that's why you, yes. if you can talk about it, you can compromise. Yeah. You can negotiate. That's mm-hmm. such a cool metaphor. Yeah, everyone gets the food metaphor, right? Because you can Everybody. just say, you know what? For the next year, we're probably hitting McDonald's yeah. every time. Yeah, but okay, that's all right. That's right. That's Who cares fine. if you die of heart disease? Right. <laughs> Mix up their menu. <laughs> but and, and to that, um, and then there's sometimes that people are just fasting, right? Mm-hmm. Or they are having a bigger problem and they have an eating disorder. Yes, and you have oh, to look at that. See. 
The eating because that, and then when you're married to somebody that has an eating disorder, yeah, and you think that that's normal because right. you're a brand new bride and you didn't know that this disorder, the sexual disorder, was so right. prevalent or an addiction. Right. Yes. Then all of a sudden, both. you start thinking the disorder is normal, and then we get in this really weird. Yeah. Mess. Or that something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas no, you just, this needs to be addressed in a more professional way, as opposed to just the two of you maybe trying to work it out. Love that. Yeah. That's yeah. where you guys come in. That's right. Or a lot of therapists. Yeah, right. absolutely. Not right? just us. They don't there. have to just go to you for sex no, problems no. in the United States. <laughs> no. Do you guys want to corner that market? <laughs> we have cornered we'll take the it. intimacy market. I'm so proud of you, ladies. Um, that is huge. Now, talk because Bryce kind of beat up the idea that intimacy is, you know, what's all this other intimacy? Emotional. Mm-hmm. What is all that? Or is that what intimacy is? Well, you kind of said, you know, in our culture, especially, we use the code word for intimacy as sex. Mm -hmm. And so we think, oh, that we're talking about intimacy, so it's just sex. Well, no, there really are. There's more to it. And you just have to accept the fact that we are human beings. We have emotions. We are deeper than just animals. And so, therefore, we're bringing our problems of the day or whatever we're thinking about into our relationship and it's important to have those addressed and worked them out. And as I mean, as a therapist, I have a lot of men, interestingly enough, come in and say, my wife just checks out. I don't just want to be yeah. intimate. Yeah. I just did air quotes. I don't want yeah. to be intimate with just a body. Right. I want her present. Yeah. Well, what he's saying is I want emotional intimacy. I want the spiritual intimacy. It's not. Right. You it's want great. I want connection. I want to be us. there with. I want presence and not present. Like I want to yeah. be in the moment. Yeah. And. um and so I think that says a lot that there's so much more to it than yeah. just the physical act. I think a lot of men relate to that idea that I just don't want her to just say, okay, hurry. Yeah. Right. And you're like, uh, never mind. Right. And for the first time, you're actually rejecting it. Yes. But see, that's telling men that, that there is an emotional component. They want that. Or I want you to initiate. I want you to like actually yes. care enough to initiate sex so that that's telling me you actually – want to be a part of this. Yes. Yeah. Because men usually think that, you know, we always kind of stereotype them as they're the driver, they're the, mm-hmm. they have the physical drive and yes. she always has the emotional drive. But men are hiding that emotional need. They just don't know. It that presents it differently is. in mm-hmm. men. It just will present differently. If you look at more of the performance anxiety, yeah. that is very much an emotionally intimate piece there. Yeah. It t- just, the male it's just problem. different. Yeah, exactly. It presents different, but yeah. both really ultimately want connection. Isn't that funny? It's just we're really more alike. Yeah, we just approach it differently. We yeah. do. And we use different words. We do. I think it's because the guys grew up in the um, locker room. Probably. <laughs> yeah. We just are kind of warped that way. <laughs> but we don't have to be. No. No. I, but you guys can also, you can talk. If you, I mean, I don't know if girls in the locker room talked about it. Did you ever go to the locker room with the girls? I did. Yeah. Go to the what locker room. What did they talk about? We're dying to know. Uh, Nothing, nothing great. We were probably talking about what you guys were talking about, probably, trying to figure out what is that. Jimmy's so rude. Right. Yeah. And Jimmy's like, I think she's hot. <laughs> Jimmy's rude. She's hot. Um, how do we get the conversation going around this? Because to me, so my background is more how we talk is how uh-huh. we create our symbols. Mm-hmm. And if our talk if we, don't, if we have negative talk or no talk, mm-hmm. then our symbols don't seem to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And marriage or intimacy and sex are filled with symbols, mm-hmm. like love. Right. Like if you love me, we'd be more intimate. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we compare with the neighbors. So how do we talk? Instead of just having the girls go talk and the guys go talk. Mm-hmm. And actually, the guys don't talk, but the guys kind of would look at each other and like, I know, it's horrible. Um, how do we start talking with our partner? Right. Well, I'd say – First of, all, first of all, I would say most couples say we do talk about it when we fight. Mm-hmm. We so fight want, about it. Right. If you want to talk about it when and not fight, um, I would say the first, the first thing is timing. Maybe when you are um, – if your husband walks right in the door, that's not the time to launch at it. If, yeah. if you guys are trying to put the children to bed or you're doing dinner and, and everything's kind of chaotic, that might not be the time. Right. Well, see, but that's almost when intimate – that's when sex happens. It, you know, it's like when the kids are in bed, when the dishes are done, mm-hmm. when she's shaved her legs, yes, and she's in her skinny jeans. <laughs> when everything goes right, then we then go there, and we're usually tired and worn out, and so then the fight kind of, or the talk mm-hmm. emerges. So it's kind of like you're saying, prioritize it 
Yes. Prioritize at least the talk. Put the odds in your favor. Yeah. To have a positive outcome. Get some hope. Take a walk. Go for a drive. Set a deliberate time to have a conversation. Yeah. But you can also set boundaries and say, I, I want to talk about this. It doesn't have to be for an hour. Mm-hmm. Can we just quickly talk about a couple of items and that way you kind of know okay especially maybe talking to him he's going to know this doesn't have to go on forever yeah yeah because the minute you say can we talk right well and it also needs to be something that's consistent if it's like we have to talk about a year's worth of of conversations because we only talk about it once a year yeah you are going to dread it but if it just becomes a part of what you talk about like going to the dentist going to the doctor it's a part of your life then it's not as daunting and again, I guess back to the food metaphor, that's just, did you like that dinner? Did you like right. the meal? That's yeah, right. That just was a check great in. meal. Check in. I, I don't know. I don't like cilantro. Right. right. Then all of a sudden. Yeah. My wife and I have that conversation all the time. Yeah. I don't like cilantro. Why did you get it with cilantro? Right. I don't know. It just gives you information. The other great thing, who doesn't love to hear what's working? Like, here's all the yeah. areas I love you. Here's what you do that really makes a difference in my life. If but, you start there. Yeah, but we don't. We don't, do we? We no. go to the, look, can you not do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, do, we nitpick ugh. and go right to the parts that we don't like or that are frustrating for yeah. us. And it, it then puts our partner on the defense, mm-hmm. which is natural. That's human nature. Right. You're going to feel like you're being attacked. So start where start where it's working. What I really liked about dinner or our sex yeah. moment or time was this and this. That went really well. Love this. This, not so much. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I probably would have loved this a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And or so sorry I, that I threw that ingredient in. I didn't yeah, mean to. Yeah. Probably won't put it in next time. Didn't work. Yeah, that yeah. was, yeah, that's just bad. Toxic. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought my grocery list into yeah. Yeah. having sex, you yeah. know, or whatever. I love that. Well, and you talk about having that conversation um, with your wife of, you like cilantro? That's another part of having a good conversation. Be a curious listener. Mm-hmm. If you aren't, if something's kind of, well, why don't you like cilantro? Tell me more. Have you had yeah. a bad experience with it? Yeah, you have no idea. Keep being curious. Mm-hmm. Get, get to but know that, more. I guess that's part of the problem is um, we have such a barrier. So I guess, is it just, are we so, are we that vulnerable? Are we that afraid that we don't even, we don't have the talks because they tend to go bad. Mm-hmm. So then we don't ever have them. So then right. we don't ever have the knowledge. So then it's amazing because then you're you're trying to be intimate with somebody that you don't even know. That's right. right. And then no wonder it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Like seriously, yeah. right. you'd have a better shot of just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's kind of like picking a restaurant you'd never heard of and just showing up and hey, this is. Exactly. Ex- yeah. And not only that, but you have an entire lifetime of experiences. Mm-hmm. You, have, yeah. you do have a sexual history, whether you've had sex or not. Right. You grew up, you had experiences, you watched movies, whatever. And guess what? Your partner does too. Yeah. And so if you don't take a minute to even have that discussion, you know, what was your growing up like? What, what have you experienced? Is there something here that's going to affect us? We need to talk about this and know. That's so bad. We have an analogy in the book about going to the airport and would you just show up at the airport with a bag that you don't know what's in it Yeah, and all of a sudden security is going to open it and you're hoping that there's not a bomb in yeah. there or something. What's in the bag? Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. It yeah. could be really bad. So, so you kind of have to know, are you calling your their partner a bag? No. 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 Oh, I'm missing it's, the metaphor um, We kind of do our understanding your history is yeah. what's in your suitcase. What are you dragging? Yeah. What's what your you, bag? What what you, you everyone brings you? a suitcase. Mm-hmm. What's in it? And I love that. So you guys, you've changed the metaphor. Yeah. And that's what we were trying to make it accessible. And at the end of that chapter, we give great questions to yeah. walk through your history. We don't, we don't expect you to just know how to access your history. We'll walk you through it. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Can you stick with us another break? Sure. I'd love to. You're not going anywhere, are you? No. We're here. We're here. Proud of you. Okay. <laughs> They're pros. Okay. Can you notice the difference when you talk to a pro about real intimacy? Kristen B. Hodson, Alicia B. Worthington. We'll be back. Uh, two experts on real intimacy. Authors of the book, Real Intimacy. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. We're back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We're listening to an interview with Kristen B. Hodson and Alicia B. Worthington all about healthy intimacy. In this last segment, they discussed with Matt some different intimacy symbols like love and the importance of consistently talking about intimacy with your partner 
and understanding one another's sexual history. And that doesn't necessarily mean experience with other partners, but just the influence on sexual expectations. What did your parents teach you or what kind of messages did you get from media growing up versus your partner? So to close this episode, we'll listen to the last bit of the interview where they answer some hard-hitting questions. What is the importance of physical touch and intimacy? What are some do's and don'ts of maintaining healthy intimacy? And how can you balance faith and fun? Can you be religious and spiritual and still feel sexy? You can find them at realintimacybook.com. That's right. A great uh, place to go because they have exercises, activities, articles you can read that take it to kind of a deeper level. What's your take on the touch thing? Oh, I think that segment's perfect because it moves beyond what intimacy is. Um, that before we get married, we're doing all sorts of touching. Oh, we're yeah. tickling backs. We're holding hands. No, let me rub we're your looking feet. at each other in I, eyes. I love rubbing your feet. And then somehow when we get married, it moves to a more concentrated zone. Yeah. And so intimacy and physical touch is so much more than just the zone. Isn't that interesting? Because isn't that... Um there is a method of uh, oh, a sensate focus. Yes, which is which is I guess backing you off of everything you've learned to do as a married couple, mm-hmm. and just go back to some of the basics and just slowly bring in different forms of intimacy and touch. Yes, until you kind of hone in on a healthier whole. Uh huh. And it really keeps you and your relationship in the present. It relaxes you. It yeah. reduces anxiety. Um, but it. How often now are you really rubbing your spouse's feet? Yeah. How often are you just stroking their hair? Well, we know where it's going to go. That's right. what we and that's hear. Exactly. And that's where the conversation needs to come mm-hmm. in to say, I feel like it's always going to go there. And it doesn't have to. You no. say you can live deliberately. You can live deliberately. Where you can – the whole idea of living deliberately is, um, again, another metaphor of so often people get to the point where they – They don't want to go to the gym, but they've gotten to a point where they're not healthy anymore. And they say, I'm going to go to the gym, but they don't necessarily feel like it. Right. And then they go and they're like, oh, that feels so much better. And isn't it better to go to the gym with a partner? Because you have sort you oh, yeah. you have some accountability, but it's better to show up together and be That's like, right. "All right, we're doing this together." Plus, somebody can drive when exactly. you pulled your hammy. That's, That's right, exactly right. But it's not letting your feelings still really steer your ship because yeah. also there's a plenty of evidence that says the more you hug or the more you engage in a nice romantic kiss, the more you release chemicals that make mm-hmm. you want to hug and kiss more. Yeah. Well, in fact, um, when you do kiss. Ladies, you actually get a little jolt of testosterone that transfers. Boom. Yes. We call yep. that bada boom, bada bing. Yes. That's and right. so it actually, it does enhance your your desire to do maybe a little bit more. Well, it's interesting. When you get good at something, you tend to like it more. Ah. Yeah. And it's, so a lot of us end up, not, we end up burning out the intimacy before we ever got good at it. That's right. And so this is why it's something, this is the gift that can keep on giving. You can do this till you're 90. Yeah. You can still go hold each other. And uh-huh. just holding each other and touching each other will create chemistry. Uh-huh. Kissing, you can still do that. I mean, I have the cutest couple I always talk about on the show, 97-year-old couple, married 60, almost 70 years, uh-huh. 70-something years. Every time we go over to their house, he's 97, she's about 94, I believe. We walk in, they can't hear. And so they, we, you don't knock, you just walk in. <laughs> and then it's like you're going to catch him. But um, you walk in and they're always sitting together holding each other. Yeah. At 97, they're touching. And I think they have broadened and allowed themselves to have intimacy in a variety of ways. Yeah. And there can, we can just so narrowly define it and really miss out oh. on so many parts of our relationship that can bring so much joy and satisfaction. Yeah. Talk about a little bit the spiritual – I mean, because there's spiritual aspects of this. I mean, I think this is why religion has honed in on it. Mm-hmm. And, and made some rules for it. You know what I mean? Like, thou shalt not. But there is a very – I mean, a lot of people have a religious history that might keep them – keep certain things taboo. Like, we yeah. don't talk about that. But how do we um, how do we maintain our faith, our belief, mm-hmm. without – and be sexy mm-hmm. right. and kind of balance the faith and the fun? That, and that is, has been a tough topic. We kind of call it the good girl, bad girl syndrome uh-huh. in a yeah. way. Because unfortunately, a lot of – I don't want to just limit it to girls, but it happens right. a lot. Um, 
in that we grow up with this notion of, okay, stay pure, stay virtuous, stay pure, don't have sex, don't do anything. Okay, now you're married, now you have sex, and so now what? You're not pure anymore? Right, you're now not you're virtuous. dirty. Yeah. Right. And having to kind of maybe change that paradigm a little bit to say, no, your virtue is absolutely intact. You are beautiful. You Now you're married and you get to include this aspect and and reach your potential yeah. as a son or daughter of God. It's powerful. And yeah. And so kind of making that shift a little bit. And I would say the, the adversary's tool with that is shame and guilt. Yeah. And he can just glom onto that and that yeah. can trap a lot of people. And then you're, yeah, and you're being ashamed of something that is so healthy, so right. Right. That God wants. Right. And, and he just wants it in the healthiest way. He, do, yes. he doesn't put the rules on it to ruin your life. No. He puts it on it to take it to a real intimate level. It's interesting, too, because we probably even do the same thing to God where we don't create real intimacy with our own deity. Right. Because mm-hmm. we're so caught up in... Um, Everything else, the things of religion mm-hmm. instead of the spirit of it. Yeah, we can task. We can task Heavenly Father. Yeah, our prayers can be checklists. Yeah, and done. we're done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't take time to listen. We don't yeah. time to really even talk to Him. We just kind of go through it. And the same exact thing happens in our relationships. We do that all the time. When we take our kids to church, we're always like, I'm always mad at them. (laughs) And I don't know why. I think it's the devil. Um, But I'm always mad. Like, get dressed. If I have to, don't make me. Don't make me. (laughs) Don't make me. Don't make me put your belt on you or you're not going to like that. Get a belt on. None of my kids are going to church without a belt. God wants you to have a belt. (laughs) So I'm obsessed with the belt. And yet I get to church and there's no spirit. Right. right. Same thing with marriage. We've got to have sex. In yeah. this way. Uh-huh. It's got to be this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With this you're outcome. Because so boring. Uh-huh. Because God wants us to have mm-hmm. sex in this way. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we put God in a box instead yeah. of looking at ourselves. And, and our relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and our spouse. And understanding that there's a spirit to it. Like there's a spirit to the law. There's mm-hmm. a spirit to the love. Okay. So there's a piece to this because how many couples on their honeymoon allow their spouses to like authentically show up and say, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, and and the other spouse says, it's okay. We don't have to do this tonight. It's okay. A relationship that starts out there creates such a foundation for intimacy and safety instead of it's honeymoon night. This is what you do. You can do more to ruin your sex life on your honeymoon. Especially these. So these are the kids too that were celibate, that hadn't had sex before, that believed that you shouldn't. And I mean, you can do so much right there to ruin it. We were just at a bridal show on Saturday, and the couples who ventured over to speak to us were either older or they had been married before, and they kind of understood this. The younger couples, they walked by, and they're like, oh, we don't need intimacy. We don't need that. You have no idea. We really do. Come Isn't back that in a few so years. Sad. Yeah. I see the same thing. It's always the, it's always the parents that are like, "You've got to listen to these ladies. That's who they came. will save your life." <laughs> and meanwhile, the, the bride and groom are out looking for patterns for their plates and yes, their and the dress, silver and their china. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. Missing the mark. Yeah. Duh. Tell me about technology because I think that's something that's seriously uh, creating some myths about what sex looks like, what it's supposed to be like. Pornography, well, all the things that are coming through technology, it's not only interfering with yeah. our time, but it's also creating visions of sex that aren't that are not accurate. They're not right. accurate. And you can be, I mean, you can be sitting there thinking, I'm having such a great night with my spouse. We're both cuddling our phones and you're not cuddling oh. each other. You're not even talking. You're just no, totally. two bodies in a room. Yeah. So you have that piece, but yes, you do have a ton of technology and media that sells us on really unhealthy intimacy that is a block. Mm -hmm. That doesn't allow for human beings to change and grow. As we get older, our bodies change, our hormones change, we have kids, things change. Our bodies get flabby. What? We look different. What are you talking about? (laughs) Why did you look at me when you said that? It just... it. Um, Hollywood makes it look like you can only be having fantastic sex if you look a certain way, dress a certain way, smell a certain way. That's not true. Airbrushed. Right. That's right. I've tried to airbrush before and it didn't work. Didn't work. No. Mm -mm. I tried to paint on some abs Mm -hmm. and they ran. (laughs) <laughs> and I looked like I had a treble clef on my chest. But, you know, if I can be personal for just a second, I am so glad to be intimate with my husband of almost 16 years yes. who were both flabbier, it's more better. tired. It's oh, yeah. better. It's and, better. Because he's real it's yours. and I'm he's real. He's yours. Right. Yeah, that's, 
That was very personal. It was, that was personal. personal. Sorry, Whoa, honey. He's brave. Call in. I know. He's like, she loves me. <laughs> he right now thinks he's going to get some love tonight. He might. Oh, my gosh. Be thinking um, that. Be thinking that. A dream. A guy can dream and hope. Um, let's, as we're wrapping this up, give us each of you, give us, and you got a minute each. Okay. What, what's the one thing that you, you wrote a book on healthy, genuine sexuality. Yeah. What did you, what stands out as your big learning? Your one thing that if people could just conceive this idea, it gets rid of 60, 70, 80% of the other's problems. The willing, I, I really, the, the book is a tool that creates conversation. I know that it sounds cliche and it's what people hit, but that is what it is about. We have so many assumptions that we bring to the table. We assume our partner's thinking this because they did that right. or vice versa. And we have an experience that maybe, um, we have a, an experience in here that talks about that, that one partner did this and the other assumed it was that way. And when they talked about it, they cleared up a lot Whole of misunderstanding. Yeah. And that really is what intimacy is. And so if you can't talk about it, then that might be the time when you need professional help. Um, but I would say it is talk. It's talk. That's this isn't great. a how-to book. This isn't a 10 steps. No. This is a get real. There's no pictures. Do the work. No. Right. No. No. This is yeah. really mm-hmm. comes from more of a counseling, coaching, therapeutic place. It's beautiful. What do you think, Alicia? Um Understanding, I, I kind of just spoke about it, but understanding the human aspect and allowing your spouse to be who they are, you're who you are, and allowing for that growth and for the changes and just not expecting any sort of, just mo- take away all expectations. Yeah. Just take Let them away. Let it just be yeah. Yeah. what it is. I mean, right. it's, it's so funny. We don't have huge expectations about a meal. Right. No. It's just, we've been there. Yeah. It's, oh, it'll just digest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll probably get a little acid reflux, uh-huh. yeah. and we'll move on, and we'll move on. Yeah, and yeah, and we'll go watch ESPN. That's right, <laughs> and love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to look at it. ESPN. I think if you bring that in, you know, it's a definite win. Good. Yeah, if you go to our website, realintimacybook.com. And plus, they'll get more about you, ideas, tools, everything you need. And you can, if you have questions, we answer them on the website. Love it. Kristen Hodson, Alicia Worthington, get the book. You guys are great. You'll be back to help us with more intimacy. Thank you so much. Well, I think all the guests we listened to today brought a lot of frank and important information to the table about very important subjects. We're here to help you live healthier, happier lives. And a huge part of that is having healthier relationships in all aspects. We had a lot of important questions answered today, like, where does chemistry come from? What does falling out of love mean? And how do you maintain an intimate relationship with your partner, no matter how long or short you've been together? I think one common message from both interviews we listened to today was, it's about managing expectations. Throw assumptions out the window or at least communicate your assumptions with your partner so you can both be on the same page and take it one step, one intimate talk at a time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to join us again on BYU Radio for more Matt Townsend.